1: Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with the seven every weekday. So follow the seven right now.
2: In Atlanta, another body was discovered today, the 23rd. At police task force headquarters, there are 27 faces on the wall, 26 murdered, one missing. We do not know the person or persons that are responsible, therefore, we do not have the motive from Tenderfoot TV and how stuff works in Atlanta. Like 11 other recent victims in Atlanta, Rogers apparently was asphyxiated. Atlanta is
0: unlikely to catch the killer unless he
2: keeps on killing.
0: This is Atlanta Monster.
4: crowd. They're ready. Uh, It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? We have kind of a young uh, audience here. How many of you remember hearing that as a kid growing up? And did you know the story behind it? I know I, for one, kind of felt like it was strange and I didn't really understand, but I knew it was bad, but I didn't know what the true story was behind it. And as we get in today, I'd love to hear kind of how you came together, um, from your two sides of How Stuff Works and Tenderfoot TV to bring the story to life.
2: Well, it actually starts with you guys, because was it,
0: email me first, or how
2: does that work? Yeah, it was It was really weird. Um, believe it or not, we're in the same building in Atlanta, and we didn't know it. Um, and through some circumstances, I, I found out. And I said, uh, hey, I reached out to Payne and said, let's come on down and have a coffee. And so, so Payne and, and Donald came down, and uh, we just started talking, and I said, you know, Up and Vanish is really great, and I think the next project that we should do together is on this uh, Atlanta child murders case that I was 9, 10 years old at the time, really fascinating, even though I didn't live anywhere near Atlanta. And they looked at me like, yeah, we talked about that two weeks ago. And uh, and we kind of looked at each other and said, well, then we have to do it.
3: Right. Yeah, I mean, you to take it one step you know back one step further the reason we were even in the same building is because we're looking for office space and then paying was like i think how stuff works is in the same buildings so we're like okay well that's us see the deal let's just- they're real Podcast. The, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the,
4: the truth comes out on the tune in stage so basically you were hunting down You we were jason hunting them down because yeah because you wanted in, in to be in the same building. Into i want to be
3: jason point. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah. so but um yeah so you know when we sat down with jason and he presented the idea of Atlanta child murders to us, you know, we had literally just talked about it weeks ago and it was something that Payne hadn't heard about before. Um, he wasn't even born when it was happening when the, when the murders were taking place. Um, I was about four years old all the way in California. That's 2000 miles away from where those tragedies were, you know, were happening. But I still remember hearing about it and, um, remember those commercials, not, not really understanding what exactly those commercials were about, but just growing up being black and, um, just having this affect the black community with the black, black victims. um, And, and eventually they, you know, caught a black serial killer. Um, It it was something that we just, I just heard about all the time. So we were looking for something to do um, a new podcast before the second season of the vanished. And I said, you know, Payne, have you heard this before? And I sent him, sent it to him and he was intrigued and, you know, just went from there.
4: And Jason, what was it about working with Payne and Donald that drew you in? Aside from them stalking you outside your building.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't have a choice at that point. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, um, you know, HustleWorks has been doing podcasts for about 10 years, you know, and um, I, what I appreciate about podcasts, um, and I hope this stays true, is that there's not kind of a cookie cup cutter template to how things should be done. And what I re- really appreciated about Up and Vanished is it was, there was kind of no rules. And so, So Payne, you know, came from filmmaking. Um, He had definite ideas around kind of what it meant to tell a story. And I loved, you know, the layered approach to things, using sound, using music for emotion. Um, You know, frankly, kind of being fearless about it, where um, I I feel we don't do that enough in the industry, where let's tell a big story, let's talk to everyone that we can, and see where it goes and you might be surprised where that story might end up and I think Up and Vanish is a perfect example of if you're persistent and you embed yourself in a community and you talk to people and and they just know that you're someone they can talk to, things can happen. And I think um, that was just really interesting to me And, um, and, and it just speaks to telling big stories and I think that this industry is just right for, you know, Early on, it was serial. It was S Town, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think there, there there should be twenty or thirty or forty of these each year, where these kind of monumental, layered stories with, you know, kind of so many um, twists and turns, but also just the layers of that story are just super interesting to me. And so, I really admired all those qualities, and I've kind of felt like the combination of our efforts would um, would kind of be a powerhouse story if we really put our heads together. And, and I think I think we've done that.
4: Now, this story in particular, no one was telling. There haven't been movies. There haven't been kind of the same, The there's been some books and writing, but there just hasn't been the same kind of continuous um, examination that there have been for things like the Zodiac Killer. How did you feel about that in terms of coming into it and the approach that you took, but also knowing that there was so much hesitation um, from other people jumping into it?
3: Yeah, you take it. Really, that was one of the main, you know, motivations behind us wanting to do it was that Payne never heard of it. He grew up in Kennesaw. It was after, you know, it happened, but you know, plenty of people didn't grow up during the era of, you know, Zodiac or, you know, these other serial killers that have been, you know, ingrained in our mind through TV series and books and all these different um, adaptations of movies, but this was something where it was kind of forgotten and doing some digging within the podcast. It's there's, there's a reason why, um, I think initially, you know, these were all poor black victims and just historically, you're not going to get the same attention being poor number one and then being a minority number two. So that's one of the reasons, but also, you know, there's a lot of political stuff involved with this, um, with these murders and it was something that Atlanta wanted to forget about. So within the investigation, you know, we, um, uncovered some of that stuff and just had a better understanding ourselves of why no one was hearing about it but we we took it upon ourselves to say look if you've never heard about this it's important and you should know about it so we want to just tell that story and really the ultimate goal was look if if we can bring the millennial generation who's never heard of it and the uh, black community who's familiar with it but they're not really um haven't maybe heard the entire story because there's been so much rumor and um, so many conspiracy theories throughout the years, uh, which happens when you don't have, you know, a platform to tell, to speak truth from. So he wanted to bring these two groups in in the middle somewhere to meet and just have a conversation about race, about, um, you know, the criminal justice system. And I think that's what we've been able to do.
2: Jason? Yeah, I was just going to say there was a little bit of a – the perception early on was – I don't know, we we got a lot of comments from people that says, oh, there's no way that Payne couldn't have heard of this case. No, no, he's just making, he's just, he's making that up for a story. And I got to tell you, um, the two crowds of people that have actually g- given us tons of feedback, one has been the people that were alive at the time and they remembered it, but they didn't really remember it when psychics and all this crazy stuff happened. And then literally a whole generation of people that says, wait, so 28 African-American kids were killed and I never knew about this? And I think, you know, pain is a lot like our audience in terms of, like, how could such a big tragedy happen and there never kind of be a big stage to tell this like some of the other serial killers um, in our uh, history of America? And that was kind of a surprise for us. Yeah, I found out pretty quickly that
0: born in 87, there was a lot of people like me, I just turned 30 this year, that had never heard of this at all. And um, you know, it's such a big tragedy that affected not only the city of Atlanta, but just the whole nation that I found it interesting that there was others out there like myself who had never heard of it. And that was one of the reasons that I chose to to continue researching this story and to make it into a podcast.
4: And not only researching, but creating it and producing it up to the very last minute before publish yes so um how many people here are caught up and are you all waiting to go home tonight for the drop of the final episode well we have a surprise for you because we have a preview clip of the final episode
0: we do i'm just kidding (laughs) we do we do we
4: do Payne, do
0: you mind just setting it up for us? So this is Dale Russell. It's actually a preview for tonight's episode. There's one episode next week, which will be 10, which is the finale. So tonight's episode, episode nine, is called The Trial. And this is Dale Russell. He's a Fox 5 Atlanta reporter. And he's talking about during the trial when Wayne blew up on the stand. And it kind of changed the trajectory of... Why or just how he was was convicted in the first place is one of the, the major points. So this is him talking about it.
1: They had to break him.
0: They had to show the jury a different side of Wayne Williams. They had to let the jury see that this unassuming guy sitting in front of them
5: had this other side to his personality. And they got it. Wayne Williams was not the mild-mannered witness we saw the last two days. He was irritable, arrogant. Assistant DA Jack Mallard had him right where he wanted him. He finally broke, and he snapped at the prosecutor. He called FBI agents goons, didn't answer some of the prosecutor's questions, and said his own defense attorney, Mary Welcome, forced him to give an interview for money. You want the real Wayne Williams when you've got him right here. As an observer, he was electric. Mallard, Mr. Williams, you've been eating up all this worldwide publicity, haven't you? Williams, no, I haven't. I'm tired of sitting here, you telling these folks I fit the profile. Mallard, wasn't these murders your center stage? Williams, you must be a fool. I I distinctly remember writing down, I've got
0: it here for you, looking up at somebody, I don't remember who, making eye contact and
5: looking at each other like, oh my gosh, here we go. Here we
4: go. So I think a lot of people are wondering about that first conversation. How, can you talk to us, like, how that unfolded? With Wayne? With Wayne, how you felt about that.
0: Um, it was weird, to be honest. <laughs> um, it was, I think you were in the room, and you were in the room, and I was like, Shh, be quiet, like one of those things. Um, and I didn't know what to expect. I was being introduced um, by Dwayne. Not to be confused with Wayne and or, pain. or me Payne, yes, but um yeah, i was I just thought it was it was super weird, but um, he was very nice and he was charismatic, and he was easy to i wouldn't say talk to, but listen to at least um it was hard for me to kind of reel in and sort of give any direction to the conversation like I usually do in an interview or something, but um, yeah, I just found it very interesting, and it's really it's been the same since then, it has not wavered at all he's He's the same the whole time, which is also very interesting.
4: Right. So you've never seen that side of him, the the getting really agitated? And- I
0: haven't, no. Okay.
4: And I'm just curious, um, in terms of you are, you're actively producing the show, as you're talking to him, as people are reaching out to you, how do you balance that kind of following where their story's going but also needing to lead it and, and push it?
0: It is um, extremely difficult, to say the least. Actually, believe it or not, this is how difficult it is. On the way here, I was listening to episode nine on my phone in the elevator to get here to make sure that there there was no mistakes in it. Um, And like that clip you heard this morning, I made that this morning, actually, in Atlanta. So like, this is not how you should do your podcast at all. (laughs) Please don't do this to yourself. I agree with that. But if you do, call me and I'll try to help you out. But uh, seriously, it's um, it's crazy because it opens the door to so many things because, you know, a lot of the findings we have and and some revelations coming in Episode 9 and 10 have been because the podcast got so big and allowed for us to find new things, new information, new people. So in a lot of ways, it's very helpful, but... You still have to build the story arc and, and map it all out, and there's so many little technical things that make a podcast good, right. and you still have to do those things, and they take a lot of time. So doing that and talking to Wayne in real time and going here and going there, it's it's very difficult. You have time for nothing else. Um,
4: and I'm sure that's a thank you to Meredith. Your
0: yes, producer. and if, yes, thank you, <laughs> Meredith, for
2: putting up with all that. <laughs> I, I was I was how many interviews. I, like I look in the Dropbox and I see all these interviews and all these files. And I was I was trying to count how many interviews with Wayne or Clips. It's, it's 30, 40, maybe more? I, I, what is it? I don't know. There
0: was so many folders in there that I just made a folder that, that's called stuff that's less important. And I started dumping stuff in there that I was like, that's not important. Because there were so many folders I couldn't even find like one thing. But it was probably, as far as Wayne goes, at least 30 plus calls in there. And um, even some as recent as a few days ago. So it's uh, we're excited to kind of come to a conclusion. I know a lot of people during while they're listening, they're like, "What's the point? What are you doing?" Well, the first point was, you know, have you heard this story before? Do you know all the details to even care about how this could end in the first place? And I think that we're there now, obviously. And so in episode nine, not to give too much away, we kind of explore. Well, why was Wayne convicted in the first place? He he was. So what are those? bad parts of wayne williams true or not what convinced a jury that he was guilty and then from there we kind of end up in this new place for the first time and we we conclude it in episode 10 i don't want to give too much away but that's where we are
4: i think this room really wants you to give too much away but we won't well we'll stop They're like what do you mean <laughs> maybe after the microphones turn off um so i think what what is so wonderful is to see how many people are listening, how many people you have now exposed to this story. How did you think about the audience that you were trying to reach and how did that guide the decisions you made and either the production or how you released it?
3: I think the production, um, you know, there's, there's different sides of, of this, you know, and such a polarizing case, everyone picks a side and they stick to it. He's guilty of everything or he's innocent. He did nothing wrong. And, you got to find out how do you find an audience within there that's willing to even hear this story from a neutral perspective. And, you know, we did a couple of different things. I mean, I think pain being the host as someone who didn't experience it growing up, as someone who's a different race than the killer and the, the convicted killer and the victims automatically opens it up. So it's bigger than just a black story because I think it's important that everyone knows the story, not just one race or another. It's, it's a tragedy that, you know, needs to be exposed. So in itself, how we were able to do it, I think, um, brought in a, a more broad audience. And then even from a, from a marketing perspective, um, you know, we wanted to reach people who weren't traditional podcast listeners. You know, we did billboards in Atlanta. We, we did trailers, you know, v- visual trailers before we ran um, TV commercials um, of that trailer on TV One, just targeting a, you know, 40 and up urban audience. So, you know, it, we had to identify who we wanted to listen to this. And it was you know, we kind of knew what that was, but we knew we had to figure out how to actually go get them. So we, you know, we did some things that most people don't do when, when in podcast promotion. So I think it, I think it worked, and I think it left an impression in Atlanta. We knew that the people of Atlanta have heard this story, but they, you know, were were intrigued and still interested in it. So the billboard just had the mugshot that if you were around, you remembered that mugshot. And that's what the, the cover is. So when when that was up on billboards, so many people have come to me and said, oh, yeah, I saw this on Spring Street or on Ponce. And it, it intrigued them to, even if they hadn't listened, it was on their mind to go and listen.
2: Yeah, and those, and those billboards were right in the same parts where actually a lot of these uh, kids were found. Um, where we're in, in, the, in Atlanta, we're in Midtown Atlanta. Um, and kind of in a, what, two to five mile radius is where most of those kids first started disappearing and it's it's very humbling when you hear a clip about uh, uh someone who called into a pastor i think it was episode or episode episode two or three and they're talking about ponce de leon avenue and we're like that's our address the guy was down the street at a bar when he called and it's just it really brings it home um and i, I love what donald said about um bringing in new listeners um Every part of what we did, we wanted to kind of do something big and different. So it wasn't just the story. It was, uh, we actually hired an actor and and shot some scenes. We did uh, throw in a, um, what's his name? What was the name of the body? Uh, Rescue Randy. Rescue Randy uh, over the bridge and just trying to kind of, um, just do things differently. We dropped four audio trailers or teasers before to build up uh, interest. So kind of um, build that buzz. And I think it actually drove people nuts because they couldn't stand it anymore. And then um, and four video video trailers that would play out in different mediums and kind of educate people. And if they saw it, they would say, wait, what, what was that? Like there's shots of um, pulling kids out of a river and uh, a little boy that's scared of going outside at night. And it just it instantly makes you think, I don't know what this is, but I have to listen to this right now. And so um, that was a combination of having audio teams, video teams, archives, the whole thing to tell a big story. And um, and that's just going big. Yeah. A lot of people thought it was a
3: you know television series or something because it was high quality visuals and reenactments that we use. And when you see it on TV or you see it on the internet and it looks like, looks good. We don't want them to think of it as a podcast. So well, I don't know what that is. Or, I, you know, I don't listen to podcasts. We want it to be good enough to where you'll go anywhere to find it. And I think, you know, um, I think we did, we did that. And I think it's still growing and kind of, we want to just set the bar for like how you promote important projects and podcasts. They're, they're growing. They're, you know, they're big and, they should be treated as such, you know what I mean? With the marketing and, you know, just a little more innovation from the promotions and marketing side.
6: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening why and what it all means follow the global story from the bbc wherever you listen to podcasts
5: hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Root. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Hey guys, you
6: know what this playground could use? A
2: wine country, huh?
1: A Redwood Forest would be cool. Ski slopes!
2: Wait! Did we just invent California?
1: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
0: Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, deputy opinion editor.
1: And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu.
0: Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.
4: Now you mentioned archives. Jason and I have a shared love of American history and primary source materials. Um, I'd love for you to talk about how much that influenced the story. And I think a, a big thank you has to go out to the archivists who kept all this material for you to then dig through.
2: Yeah, this is Jason's uh, expertise here. <laughs> yeah, it's an it's, uh, it's, uh, interesting backstory. So um, the University of Georgia has been holding on to WSTV's um, video archives. It's down in a vault in a basement in University of Georgia, which is, what, about an hour or so uh, outside of Atlanta in Athens, Georgia. And uh, they just had all these original uh, – they were video clips. And the, they have a series of researchers and archivists that were waiting one day for someone to show up and want to tap into this and it was us. And, um, I just, I think it adds again, that layer, uh, to the story that is interesting. It also, it's jarring when you hear, um, people talking about so-and-so identified themselves as a homosexual and, and it's just not the way we talk anymore. And this was, this wasn't kind of, you know, Joe average person on the street. This is actually the news media reporting on these things. And it's just, I think hearing stories told differently, um, using that, that archive um, material, but also to kind of move the story forward in an emotional way, I think is really interesting. Uh, but Payne can speak to this. We didn't just want this to be a history lesson or a history channel type experience. It needed to go deeper than that. And so the, the archive footage was always meant to help move the story forward, but not be the story itself. Yeah, I think one
0: just interesting tidbit about the archives that you guys might find interesting is that like each clip you hear is 30 seconds or 60 seconds of a clip that's like an hour long. And then there's literally several thousand clips. And so they went through and tagged all the clips by name and number with time codes and kind of described what was being talked about. But so in between there, you have all this other bizarre stuff from the 80s and it's actually, some of it's hilarious, just actually so, looking back and seeing just society in 1980s. Yes,
4: yes, bizarre things from the 80s, so that now we just have to talk about it. We weren't going to talk about it, but now we have to talk about it. Jason's Us Weekly magazine.
2: <laughs> Another obsession. I, I, I'm a history <laughs> major, so I get into this stuff. I, I mean, and, and I, t- I talked about this on, on our special episode called The Vault, which is the fact that... Um, Wayne was just all over the media and kind of attached to this, and he did an interview with Us Weekly, which is kind of this salacious, um, dramatic magazine. And uh, I got obsessed trying to find this, and so I searched the internet. It wasn't anywhere. I found it on uh, eBay, ordered it, and got kind of two pristine copies of the two editions, and there it was. Uh, And it was kind of positioned next to old cigarette ads and liquor ads and, and kind of all this stuff. And I just, I still, I look at it and I can get my, can't get my arms around it and understand it. Um, but it is another crazy layer to this case, for sure.
0: And I borrowed it from you and he texted me and was like, do you still have the magazine? <laughs> I was like, yeah, still have it. Okay, can you bring it to me when you're done? I was like, yeah, sure, that's fine.
4: So full disclosure, I asked Jason to bring it today. I think he was afraid to have it leave his office. It's, it's probably on his desk in a case. Don't lie,
0: you brought it. It's in your pocket. <laughs>
4: So, uh, actually, what that what that brings us to is how how are you balancing then the first person? Because I think to your point, Jason, you didn't want this to feel like a history lesson, and you really went out and drove around the neighborhoods where this where this happened. How did you balance those two of the the archival and then um, first person interviews?
0: Well, to me, the the history element of this is actually the most important part of it, but. Me as a listener thinking objectively about this project, that would be boring to me. And so I wanted to bring new information and mesh the two together and tell a different story than just me playing archive clips for you and playing interviews of people just recounting what happened one time. Um, I wanted to bring in new information, explore theories, but also stay true to the archives and everything else and all the racial bifurcations that are just so prevalent in the story and um, just tell it the right way. And to me, that was sticking true to the history of it because the history is important, but also bringing new information to the table.
4: And what did you feel like you um, wanted to tell so far that you haven't been able to? Because you have done some of the extra episodes where you've delved into the side stories. Is there anyone, any stories still nagging at you?
0: Um it's it's hard to say. I mean there's this story is so complex and there's so much you could tell. You could make a hundred podcasts on this, but um to me the the biggest thing and it's I wanna just tell people so badly like what I'm thinking sometimes, but this is not really the place to do that. Um There's also one of those things too where just listen to the end. You know, listen one through ten and then come talk to me. And so, like, week by week, I'm like, ah, just you just don't know what you don't know yet. So, like, that kind of stuff is... Um, Why isn't he
2: talking about this? lane <laughs> like, has
0: got him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Stuff we also, like that. We also can't really say, like,
3: from <laughs> tell people what we think, or Payne can't just weigh in on an opinion because the next week he might feel differently. And we've changed positions on this thing several times. I mean, we have conversations, you know, internally with our production staff, with Payne, and from week to week, you know, we, we might feel, feel differently. So it's important that if, even for us that, you know, we're waiting to the end to really say, okay, we've digested all this. We know, you know, what was left out. We know what we've covered in the podcast and, you know, how do we feel about this? And, but yeah, you have to wait to the end to really form an opinion.
2: Yeah. And part of that too is, um, I think I'm not spoiling anything. When I say, um, we, we, you know, pain is not saying this is how I feel, and this is how you should feel. Part of this is all of us should be listening to to this and going through a lot of those same emotions, and maybe thinking, well, you know, um, what is my bias, and why am I thinking of this? Is is it because I'm white? Is it because I'm black? Is it because I grew up in Atlanta? Is it because um, I I was um, of of age at the time, and I remember that, or maybe I don't know anything about it, and and I think. Um, you know, one of the things that we want to leave with um, anyone that's listened is how do I make up my own mind, but why am I making my mind up in, in a certain way? What is my bias? What, what have I collected here? And you may not have a clear answer, and, and that's okay, too. Yeah, I think
4: that's great. As a, as a listener, it's it's almost a relief to hear you say this because I certainly, from week over week, would feel one way and then listen to the next episode and feel the other way and sometimes would hear Wayne and as he's going down kind of his pathways of, of the conversations you're having with him, just even in that moment listening to him would change my, my perception of him.
0: But you can't forget either, I can't tell you how to feel about something. And a lot of the way I presented this was you tell me what you think about episode five, Wayne's world, Wayne talking to me. I'm not going to tell you what I think. You tell me what you think. You know, I'm going to put it out there. I'm not going to influence you at all. I'm going to make sure it's all there and the important parts are highlighted. But that's kind of what this is in a lot of ways is what did you get from this? And you'll see very quickly this is why it's so complicated. This is why people still talk about this.
4: Yeah, I definitely think that's why it's so compelling as a listen because you you do have to think through that. And you're pushing us as listeners to get to that point. Um, I know that you've gotten some some heat for saying you're not a podcaster, Um, but I'd love to hear you kind of talk about that and how that impacts your storytelling. What does that mean to you? And is it this being able to say, I'm just going to put something out there and let the audience react as they see fit?
0: Yeah, I said I'm not a podcaster one time and people got mad about that. But what I actually meant, if you heard, um, was it podcast movement? The little thing I said, yeah. But it, basically, all it was is that I was scared to make podcasts before I made a podcast because I didn't think that I fit in, and I still don't fit in that well. But it turns out that doesn't matter actually, and that was the whole point. It's not that I don't like podcasters. If I didn't like podcasters, then me and Jason wouldn't be friends. <laughs> But like seriously, it's it, to me, it's just the whole labeling of things. People, you know, have a problem with like, well, you're not a podcaster. Well, what are you? You're a filmmaker, you haven't made a film. It's like, why do I have to be labeled something? Why can't I just like tell stories and do stuff? In two years, if I'm doing something wildly different, am I still what I am today? Or am I just the same person? I'm just growing. So I just don't like the label thing very much. And the podcast label really in all honesty, almost deterred me from making a podcast. I did not think that I, I fit in. I just, that was not my thing. So, why would I be good at that? Why would people listen to that? And really, like, genuinely, I, I, I almost didn't do it because of just that. And now I look back, I'm like, wow, that would have been really stupid if that's why I didn't do it. So, I just choose to tell that story that way. So, and yeah, that, I'm still out of podcasts, right, people ask. <laughs> and it all it, it stems from Up and
3: Vanished episode one, where you know, he kind of just disarmed the listener by saying, look, I'm, I'm Payne Lindsay. I'm doing this podcast, but beware, I'm not a podcaster, I'm not a journalist, I'm not an attorney. I'm just really not qualified to be doing this, so, you know. Why am I doing yeah, this? Don't judge me too hard. And that's where, you know, that's what sparked it. So, I mean, it it wasn't made a statement, it, it was it, like to the podcast world, it was to the 5,000 listeners of Up and Vanish episode one, and it just became, you know it just steamrolled into this bigger thing. And to be honest, you know, when we first, you know, we, we know each other through the music industry and um, we are both burnt out of, you know, being in the music industry and just the monotony of, you know, what we were doing. And, you know, Payne said, look, I want to do something on the TV and film space. I said, look, I'm, I'm down. Let me know what I can do to help. So up and vanished. The the disappearance of Terry Grinstead was supposed to be a documentary. And then when we realized that it costs too much money for us two to do a documentary by ourselves, he decided let's make this a podcast instead. So the entire idea of us getting into a new field and doing some storytelling was about film and TV, not about podcasting. So I think that's another you know reason why he describes himself that way.
4: And I think this comes back to, Jason, you saying just looking for the big stories and really being able to jump into those and, and tell those in whatever medium it is.
2: Yeah, I was saying this yesterday on a panel um, that I was a part of. Uh, I think I got this right, but I think it's been 1,343 days since cereal launched. You've been counting every day? Or? I, I did my homework before I came here. Um, it's on the desk with the US week. He,
4: has, he has white chalk on his <laughs> wall. Like, one, line one more for day.
2: Each. And, uh, I mean total props to that show. Um, it continues to be in the top 20 or top 30 on Apple Podcasts every single week. And so when you look at this in a positive way, you'd say, you know, wow, that really is the starter kit for anyone that is new to podcasts. This is, I think everyone's gone through that, right? Oh my gosh, Serial, you have to listen to Serial. Now it's Serial in S-Town. and And I think that's been great to kind of get people in the door, but uh, I think we need to tell bigger stories, and kind of the idea around Atlanta Monster was uh, how does Tenderfoot and HowStuffWorks kind of come together as as uh, cool, credible storytellers with different expertise,s and different voices, and different disciplines, and and kind of elevate um, in our own way um, one story that might be bigger and and do things creatively. And we're starting to see more people kind of getting out there and and. I look at the industry and I want to see more. And I think listeners do too. I think they're hungry for more and we need to give them more. Um, that's why everyone's talking about Atlanta Monster. Not the, I'm not trying to kind of say that we're awesome and we're promoting ourselves, but we, I think we fed them something they really
6: wanted.
4: I'll say you're awesome. How's that? Uh, thank, thank you. <laughs> that's nice.
5: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
2: Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh?
5: A Redwood Forest would be cool.
2: Ski
1: slopes!
2: Wait! Did we just invent California?
1: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at VisitCalifornia.com.
4: So I'm actually hearing um, a lot of people say that Up and Vanished has now been their first podcast, that they they hear about a podcast, and I feel like for a lot of people, Serial was that, that starter kit, but now I'm hearing Up and Vanished. How do you feel about that?
0: That's pretty cool yeah. because Serial is why I made a podcast, basically, because I, I would not have known what podcasting was if my friend didn't say, hey, ever heard of Serial? I was like, no, what's that? And then I started listening to Serial, and then so when I went to go make this podcast, uh, up and vanished documentary, which was going to be a TV series at first. Um, I was like, well, I really liked Serial. So I went to go look for other True Kind podcasts to kind of see how it was made or what was out there. And I decided that I should make one.
4: Donald?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest compliment to me is when someone says, look, you you brought me into this new space. Never listened to a podcast before. Because I, I hadn't listened to a podcast until... Up and Vanished, episode one. That was the first podcast I ever listened to. And then Payne was like, look, They hope man,
4: before it published, right?
3: <laughs> um, probably right about, right, maybe a day before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> No, you um, mean probably, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, Hours. you know, and then the, the first thing Payne told me was, look, if we're going to do this and do it right, go, you, you got to go listen to Serial. That, so the second podcast I listened to was Serial. And then when it started to, to blow up, we said, okay, look, we now have a podcast business. So then I listened to Startup, which was a cheat sheet for how we're going to start up our own, you know, podcasting company. So, you know, this just goes to show you could have not, not be a podcast listener. never have made a podcast before. And, you know, it's all about the storytelling and trying to tackle big stories and, and just telling them in a way that's, that's compelling to the listener. And I think you shouldn't shy away from controversial stories you know stories where you know they're going to be polarizing to listener you you have to really tell the big stories and 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 it, it intrigues people and brings them in when they feel like this is something that i can't talk to everyone about that's what podcasting really is it's you and your earbuds you know it's a private experience and you want to try to bring that out to the larger community and people Obsess over it. They want to talk to their friends about it. Oh, are you listening to Up and Vanish? You listening to Atlanta Monsters? So that's what we want to hear. That you know, hey, I never listened to this, but it was so good, and I heard about it so much that I wanted to come into the podcast under the podcasting tent just to listen to your podcast. So, yeah, that's what I
4: love about audio. It's it can go from being that really personal, intimate experience to then that very shared community. Exactly that. When you find someone else that's listening to the show that you love, you just cannot wait to talk to them about it. How do you build that connection with your audience?
0: It's it's hard to say exactly because I'm on the other end of it. I don't have the same experience as you have. Sometimes I wish I had that experience with this Show or whatever show I'm working on because you know you hear it so much, it's not exactly the same anymore. All the material is just not the same. Um, to me, it's like, who in here makes podcasts or wants to? Anyone in here trying to do that? Okay, it's a pretty good amount. When we say like good storytelling, do you even know what we're talking about? I would be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I think that. A good podcast, at least the kind that we've been making, it's not just telling a good overall story. It's the very tiny little things that matter. It's like, for example, I'm taking the ums out of someone talking, just making the listening experience clean, and you be- you begin to depend on it, and you don't even know what those things actually are anymore. You might listen to another podcast and be like, I don't know, I don't like it as much, but I don't really know why. It's those little things, so... We're always focusing on those details. We're trying to make it sound good. We're, we're t- also, we're trying to tell a big story and to tell it right. But we're also focusing just as much on making something sound good. So like, if you want to make your own podcast, you know, that's really what you should focus on, to be honest. If you have good content and you're trying your hardest and it sounds
2: good, then it's going to be good. People are going to like it. Yeah, and I think um, I I love um, the kind of backstory on on the use of music in the in the podcast too, um, and that's highly underrated as a as a, a mechanism for for driving emotion in podcasts. And uh, I, I mean, I, I love how this kind of got, <laughs> yeah. got cranked. Got got cranking as we as we yeah, early as on we I, was the, like, yeah. I want
0: this eighties music throughout the whole thing and I found this guy on Spotify. His name is Makeup and Vanity Set. It's just one guy. <laughs> I thought it was this big group of people. No, it's just a guy on his laptop. He's awesome. Um but I called him up, I was like, Hey, would you be interested in basically scoring this podcast and he had never listened to a podcast either then he listened to up and up and vanished and was like i totally get it now and he's just progressed as every episode has gone by making amazing music to me i I like that i like being submerged in a sequence and just sort of being there in the moment some people don't like the music i kind of like it so that's why you always hear it that way but you know make what you like and just make it your best that's pretty much it
4: how much of that is influenced from your music background?
0: I don't know. I think it's just kind of. To me, I always sort of thought podcasts were kind of boring. Um, I didn't really listen to talk radio that much, so I didn't really kind of get into that. So when I first made Up and Vanished, I was trying to make something that I thought was compelling, what would suck me in. And so I had this sort of these music beds in the background and just sort of setting the scene and making this. Tone that really grabs you. So it comes from that, really, to be honest. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean,
3: Payne's music background goes, it goes back a long way. So he understands, you know, production. He understands the timing, even when it comes to how interviews are edited and, you know, how that one second pause or you know those things make a big difference. Those so, things are huge. Yeah, so if you don't know why you like one one podcast more than another, has a lot to do with the editing, the production. I think also, you know, the music like we talked about, but I think the relatability of the host plays a huge part in it because you could listen to a really great story or a, you know, interesting story, but the person who's delivering that story is just the the language they speak isn't the language that you're understanding, how they phrase things. I feel like when I started listening to podcasts and I felt like, is the host just trying to show me how smart they are by the way they're trying to tell the story? I just want to hear a good story. It doesn't have to be told from the perspective or from, you know, you you spent, you know, days and weeks writing this one part to see oh let let me let me you know go in the thesaurus and figure out the better word to say here that makes me sound even smarter it's like just just tell me a story so I can relate to it and and those are the things that you know you like why do I like this and not that one both could be good stories but how is it relating to you with pain he's he's like the audience when it comes to like oh I might go and knock on a door just like that but the journalist or the attorney might not take that approach they might say oh that's that's not the way we would do it by the book. But pain is like, oh, okay, let me call this guy up. Let me record this call. You know, so, so it's things that we would just all do as the listener if we were hosting our own podcast. So I think that's a huge part of it. So you're saying that I should buy a
0: thesaurus, basically?
2: Yeah, definitely. Got it. I was just going to say, uh, there's there's a, a clip at the beginning. I think, is it episode five? And it's a really frustrating two, three-minute um, interlude. Oh. of all the things you had to go through to actually connect with wayne on the call and you know some people are like oh how could you do that that is the
4: the prison recording yeah Yeah. you know we're talking about
2: episode five we're like oh you're like
0: okay well, it's
2: a little long
0: but you're like i knew that but actually to be honest the whole thing took about 15 minutes and that was about two and a half minutes and i kept trimming it down like this is a little too long but i wanted you to be like good grief this is Ridiculous! Y'all hear that confirmation number? I was like, "This is that is that's the longest number I've ever been read." Someone has to hear this.
4: It reminded me of the old dial-up days when you're waiting for the modem. this is archaic sounding. Exactly. <laughs>
0: this is what you have to do. I, I thought it was intriguing. I was like, "This is what everyone does when they talk to someone in jail." This is insane.
2: Yeah, and then I mean, not to get too intellectual about it, but um, like, wow, the prison system and everything about this bureaucratic nightmare is broken. Um, and look what you have to do to just talk to someone. And uh, just just putting it out there for people to observe and frankly get a little frustrated themselves as they listen to yeah, it, kinda that's the whole point. Put you there. That's mm-hmm. the whole point.
4: So you did go and knock on doors and show up at, at people's houses. How did you build the rapport to get them to talk to you?
0: To be honest, I didn't really have one. To, I didn't think I did, at least. I just, <laughs> just called people and said, hey, you don't know me, I want to talk, basically. But no, I mean, to be honest, it's a very tragic story. So depending on who you're talking to, you're always sensitive to who this person is and how they're related to this case and this story. You can't ever forget that it's the most important part of this. So if you're always keeping that in mind and you're trying to be a people person and just find a way to relate to somebody, then most of the time
2: it works. Jason? Yeah, I mean... Don't let your own voice get in the way of someone being able to tell you a story. And, and I think, especially if you if you listen to episode one, I think you're barely in that episode, and it's it's because and that was intentional. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I've I've seen some press on this where yes, we talk to FBI agents and APD officers and television anchors, but actually just talking and, and of course, um, you know, um, uh, families um, you know, of the victims and such. But also just people who grew up at that time and listening to those people, I think is just super important. And it's just, you know, hey, I grew up in this neighborhood and this is how I felt. And, the, and they don't have to be anyone that is of a high position in the city or, or were involved in the case. We just want to know how you feel. That's super important to just listen.
0: Yeah, every single interview you hear, every single one, Meredith and I are both there in person for every single one of them. And I often intentionally just remove myself from it. So this person is telling their story. It's not my story. And I just think it sounds better that way. It's more natural. Um, You know, I'm not trying to be a part of the conversation with them. I don't know anything about what they're telling me. You know, I'm hearing it for the first time like you guys are as they're telling me. So I'm not trying to, you know, broadcast a conversation with somebody. I'm trying to ask the right questions so they can kind of take the stage themselves.
4: And then what's your process of putting it together? Because now you were there for it, hearing it the first time. And then obviously when you're editing it, you're hearing it over and over again. How do you not get too close and actually kind of bring yourself back to that moment of hearing it for the first time?
0: Um, As you're listening to it, as you do the interview, you kind of go, oh, yep, that's that's pretty important. Or that's a good part. Or that's a really interesting line that has to go in there. So stuff like that, you kind of just try to remember that or take notes. But then when it comes down to the interview, you have to kind of go back and forth when you're editing from going from thinking super objectively and like broad about it. And then being very hyper-focused on one little thing about the way this actually sounds, not what the word means, but does this sound funky? Is this sound okay? And then, you know, does this story chronologically make sense? And then, should I interject myself here and give a little further explanation on that? Or should I just, you know, put this here so it makes sense to come right after that? And the goal for me is to, the less narration that's needed, the better podcast edit it is. If it can go five minutes without me talking, that means that it all made enough sense for you to sit back and hear people just talking and you know what's going on. And I think that's pretty hard to do. So if you can do that, you're doing a pretty good job. Jason? Agree. Yeah, you
4: agree? Yes. Okay, Donald and Jason
3: agree. That's good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> the sauce is right there in the in the edit and in not getting in your own way. You know, the worst thing you can do is over talk if you're interviewing someone because they could be about to say something great and then you hear you come bumbling all over the place and interjecting what you want them to say or trying to get to the point faster than that they, you know, than the pace that they're going to get to it eventually at. So I think, yeah, just sitting back and letting people talk and then, you know, being able to pull those little things out. That's what
0: y'all ask a question sometimes and I'll just sit there five seconds of like awkward silence with somebody. And I'm just like, and they're like, They always talk. So, uh, and they just start filling the air with something because they feel obligated to, you know what I mean? It's like, it it felt weird to me at first, just kind of just, you know, someone's going to eventually sort of talk. I'm not like, it's not like a standoff. It's just more like a, you know, I'm not, I'll just be waiting a little bit longer than someone else might be waiting. And then before I'm about to talk, they start talking. It's not so, it's easy. Like so that's like that.
4: actually I, a great negotiation tactic, just so you know.
3: I just yeah. ruined it for
0: myself.
4: <laughs> you can save that for later. Because
3: <laughs> it's, it's not as easy as it sounds. I do some like pre-interviews where I'll just record a conversation with someone to see what are they going to give us, if, if Payne's is going to you know talk to them or not. So I try to hear kind of what they've done in their interviews and mimic that strategy and it's really not easy because you get into it. You want them to tell you what's next. You want to be conversational. You don't want to just yeah. sit there and
0: just not say anything. And they're like, are you there? Is, is right. this, are things okay? You want to be engaged enough and just find little moments. Like, yeah, absolutely. Just like be there with them in the conversation, but not talk over them or steer it too much. Yeah, It just takes practice pretty much.
2: And I was going to say, you know, part of um, – um, how stuff works and tenderfoot working together. I, I think our approach with creators is to kind of let them have the floor and let it, let them do it their way. And so, um, it gets a little hairy at the end as we're trying to put an episode to bed and all that stuff. And that's absolutely okay. Um, but I, I just, I don't, like I was talking about earlier about like there being a template for how you do a show. The last thing that we want to do is tell people, Payne and Meredith and Donald, like this is the way you need to do the show because this is the way that House to Forks has always done that show. And so uh, it doesn't mean that we don't add, you know, certain um, rigors and discipline about production and and research and kind of all that stuff that's why we're working together but i I stand firm in saying like we need to let creators tell their story and every one of them can be completely different and have different personalities and and that the whole thing and that's the whole point is like really letting them run
4: so episode nine tonight episode 10 which is the the final episode how do you feel about it wrapping now
0: Wow. I need to go to the beach or something. Um, I feel it's been the, like the longest feeling 10 weeks ever. Um, I don't even know how I feel about it, to be honest. I'm still like in it right now, so I don't really even know. But um, I'm I'm happy that people have liked this podcast and have learned a lot. And um, I I was pretty nervous about this project because I knew it was big and I thought that it was another thing that it was just too big for me. I thought that you know, maybe I'm not the right guy for this. You know, I actually thought those things before I did it, but, um, you know, I put a lot of effort into doing it the right way. And in, I think in a lot of ways it paid off. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it. I think that the team house of works, Donald Meredith, everyone at house of works, uh, did a great job. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm excited to see what, what comes next. I'm also excited to have a complete project out there, one through ten. And so, you know, we can, with every listener I meet, I can have a full conversation about the whole thing. That's great. Yeah.
4: And now it's time to um, actually talk to some of your listeners and open things up Sweet. for a Q&A. Question in the back? Hi, my name is Miwa. i from Tokyo. I'd like to know, you said uh, uh, it's just a story, but uh, uh, what percentage is fact and what percentage f- uh, fiction do you think? And uh, uh, how do you uh, uh, make an effort to, uh, 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 to take uh, fact?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... All Up and Vanished and Atlanta Monster are both factual podcasts. I've never made anything up or staged anything or anything like that. Um, so all the stuff you're hearing is is legit and real. Um, I like to take these real-life moments and build them up to give you the same feeling that I felt when, when it was happening to me or anyone else on our team who was telling the story or when we're going back in time to recreate a moment that happened somewhere else. So, um, you know, it's all factual stuff and, you know, we're proud of that. And, you know, just so happens that with both podcasts, now we've dug up some crazy stories and um, we just choose to present them the the way we do. So sometimes you might think
2: this, this isn't real, but it is. So, Yeah, And there's another point to that, which is, um, you know, oh, my gosh, down the conspiracy, uh, you know, rabbit hole here. I have to tell you that most of the stories that we are actually putting out there and even some of the stories you haven't heard, they've been talked about for 30 or 40 years and we're presenting them back to to the listeners. So this is actually why this case continues to be so confusing and I think um, so divided is the fact that, these theories, whether they were put out there by Wayne, whether other people in the kind of the connected universe of this case, the whole point is to actually say, listen, people have been talking about all these little elements for years and here they are. Here they are. And again, make up your mind. That is not us with an agenda trying to push conspiracies. It is us actually pushing those, whatever you want to call them up to the surface and presenting them to you, the listeners.
3: Also on the conspiracy um, conversation, I think we're not just pushing like a crackpot conspiracy theory that one guy thought up. If it's crackpot, millions of people actually believe that. So it it would be it wouldn't be authentic if we didn't present like crazy things that millions of people believe. So we're we're not pushing those, but it's you know it's our duty to kind of tell the truth about all these different opinions and what people actually believe and then try to break down, okay, why does this person think that way? And I think that's what we, hopefully we've been able to do that through the podcast where if you hear something that sounds crazy, we present what drove that person, are these millions of people to think this way?
2: Hi, uh, I'm a longtime How Stuff Works listener. Um, there's a ton of new podcasts from How Stuff Works right now. Uh, a lot of different uh, than what they were before. So, like ethnically ambiguous, culture kings, that sort of thing. I was wondering if you could talk about like the impetus or reasons why How Stuff Works sort of decided to diversify a lot more. That's a great question. Thanks for being a supporter. Uh, I would say, um, you know, we, we've. We actually, as a I won't bore you with the business details, but we had uh, the ability to to raise some money that allows that podcast business to be its own standalone business. And frankly, a lot of our uh, creative ambitions can now be realized. And so, I think at last count, we we saw something around thirty new shows in some level of production, where we only had about twelve to fifteen shows total over the years. I mean, so you, our north star has always been around curiosity. And that will continue to be our core focus, but we're also just podcast fans too, and um, we want to um, we want to cover lots of things like comedy and true crime and kind of fill those gaps. Um, we're going to get into some fiction. Uh, we're going to get into some uh, health and wellness and some other big categories, um, and we just also just didn't want it to be uh, you know um, just the same. Um, voices we I think if you look at um, a snapshot of our employees um, they're starting to reflect the kind of shows that we have too so we want more women we want different types of um, um, across the the board um, with diversity and I think there's a hunger across each of those um, those groups for more prog- programming like this so you're gonna you're gonna see a lot more from us uh, this year and we're really excited about it
4: are they all moving into your building?
2: No, I mean part of this is, um, you know, we're not going to be able to do every bit of this ourselves, and so we really want to um, work with the best creators out there. And and I think, you know, Payne and Donald and Meredith and the Tenderfoot team has really um, got us thinking about um, how, do, how do we how do we do our own stuff, but then how do we also um, tell stories that we could never naturally do by ourselves and and kind of go in places that we've never been. We had never done a true crime anything until this it was um a lot of shows that you guys are familiar with and it was new to us and a little bit daunting
4: time for one last question hi my name is lisa Payne. i know you're trying to go to the beach but i'm wondering what's next and how often you get approached by people with ideas and how you decide you know what your next project is going to be
0: well what's next is up and advantage season two before anything else which will be a new case. And I've I've chosen the case and it's not in Georgia. That's all I can say about it now, but it's going to come out um, summer, like late midsummer. So that'll be the first thing up. We're also working on Up and Vanish, the TV series on Oxygen, which we're um, really far in development on and we'll be shooting some stuff in a couple of months. And so hopefully that'll come out within the year and also some stuff with Atlanta monster as far as, um, possibly doing some visual stuff for that as well. And then there'll eventually be another podcast, um, from me, tenderfoot, um, in the same vein as these possibly. Um, there's also other arenas I want to jump into as, or other genres, I should say, uh, in the podcast world. I want to jump into some being fiction as well. Um, so, I don't really know what that other project is that you're talking about, but I do have some awesome ideas and it's 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 brewing right now. So hope that answered your question.
4: Great. Well thank you. Thank you, Payne. I know you've been traveling and trying to finish the last episode, so we really appreciate it's you done. being here and it's done.
2: Done. 12.01 a.m.
4: tonight. (laughs) We're all going to tackle Jason on the way out to get his phone because it's on there. Uh, Thank you, Jason.
5: (laughs) This guy. Thank you, Donald. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by TuneIn, which brings together all of the live sports, music, news, and podcasts you love. Original, live, and on-demand audio all in one place. Go to TuneIn.com slash AtlantaMonster to download and
6: listen.
2: Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh?
1: A Redwood Forest would be cool. Ski slopes!
2: Wait! Did we just invent California?
1: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
2: The wait is almost over.
3: Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced.
1: Bring it
5: Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed the 2024 NFL schedule release
3: presented by Verizon coming in May live on NFL Network ESPN2 and streaming on NFL Plus terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus visit nfl.com/schedule
5: release to learn more Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
1: Lucky in line at the deli I guess hide
5: in my dentist's office